0: Romans chapter 8 says, it says, verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us, and in us, and for us, and conferred on us. Okay, so there's glory on the way. Um, 1 Peter 1 speaks of the prophets that prophesied of the sufferings of the Christ and the glory. That should follow. So, uh, the, so many scriptures. I mean, God wants to fill the whole earth with His glory. So now He says, verse 19, for even the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. All right, so what is going to be the factor that brings the glory? into the reality that brings the glory into the place where we can experience the glory instead of the suffering, the manifestation or the making known or the revealing of the sons of God. So if the sons of God are revealed, then the suffering is turned into glory. So the suffering is natural, carnal existence in this touchfield sea realm the glory is the manifestation of the kingdom of god on the earth uh, jesus said pray in this way let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven so whatever is in heaven is supposed to manifest on earth earth but everyone now again with this virus thing everyone wants to go there Everyone wants to die and go to heaven or be raptured and go to heaven. But that's not what Jesus said that we should pray. He said, let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. So what's the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. What's the kingdom? Signs, wonders, and miracles. What is signs, wonders, and miracles? God's glory. So God wants to reveal his glory and in his, in his light. His light will drive out the darkness. He wants to remove darkness from the face of the earth. The new creation in Christ, every human being believing in Christ. The new creation in Christ will make also the creation new. The new creation in Christ will also make creation new. So God will will save creation through those who believe in him, his new creation. All right. So just look at this. Creation, nature, verse 20, was subjected to frailty, to futility, condemned to frustration. Hi, Eric, I shall, I see you watching. For creation was subjected to frailty, to futility, condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it. Now, in the Amplified, that's a capital letter. But in the original Greek text, there is no capital letters. Um, The the word there, it refers to Adam, the first Adam. It is not referring to Christ. It's not referring to God. It's who who, um, subjected creation to frailty. Adam, because sin entered into the world and death through sin. God gave authority to Adam and Eve. He said, let them rule. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sea, uh, birds of the air, (laughs) and every creeping thing on the face of the earth. They are birds of the sea, the penguins, okay? so But he had rulership over all of that, okay? But then he subjected himself and his authority to knowledge of good and evil, to the word of the devil. And he brought uh, frailty and death into the world. Sin entered into the world, death through sin. So he he subjected creation to frailty, to death, because of his disobedience and because he went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 21, the nature itself will be set free from its bondage. So creation is in bondage and creation itself will be set free from bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. Do you see, God is waiting for us to understand who we are, to believe Him, so that He can reveal glorious freedom to the sons of God, the sons of God, to make known the sons of God, to declare the sons of God, so that the whole of creation can be set free from bondage to decay. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation... Of irrational creatures has been moaning together in the pains of labor until now. Okay, verse 22, King James. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So creation is groaning. Creation is moaning. Why? Because creation is constantly having interaction with fallen man. And fallen man is is constantly uh, subjecting creation to frailty. Okay, so creation is subject to bondage already because of Adam and because of all the descendants of Adam, all the natural people. Now, as humanity encroaches on creation and 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 uh, the habitats and so on, different diseases that was in animals now start coming to. To uh, people, I mean, the scientists have said that. But the point is, this this virus is not of God. It is creation that is groaning, creation that is moaning, creation that is in pains of labor, waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest, to be made known. Verse twenty-three, and not only the creation, but we ourselves too. Who have and enjoy the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the blissful things to come. Grown inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality and the grave, which will reveal our adoption, our manifestation as God's sons. Okay, so God is in the process of redeeming our bodies completely. He's in the process of manifesting his glorious life and light and freedom in us, and it will touch our bodies, and it will make us to live, and it will bring life into creation, and because of that, set creation free from this groaning. So, when, when you see people arguing and fighting and being discontent, and it's, it's a groaning, something's wrong. And people try to look for a reason. Why is something wrong? And they try to find it in, in the lives of other people. And th- that creates conflict. And they feel something's wrong. Uh, they feel it's not right that people are sick. It's not right that there's so much suffering. And that is correct. That's the groaning. But the answer is looking to Jesus Christ. Because when we look to Him, we are transformed in ever-increasing splendor from glory to glory into the very same image we behold, okay? So that's Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. As we behold Him, we are manifested as sons. As we behold Him, as we look to Him, the sonship is made known and being declared, and Jesus Himself is manifesting or formed in us, okay? As Paul said, uh, I... Um, I'm in pains of labor for you. I'm, uh, it says, I'm groaning in pains of labor until Christ be formed in you. So Christ needs to be formed in the church. Christ needs to be manifested in our souls. Christ needs to be manifested in our flesh bodies also. Um, just because the creation is groaning. It's not an indication of Jesus coming back. It is an indication that the sons of God are not manifesting. It's an indication that people do not know who they are. It's an indication that we need to preach this gospel so that Life can come to the world and so that people can understand who Jesus is and understand who they are in him so that their word and their action and their deed can liberate creation and liberate humanity from sickness, from corruption, from bondage to decay. All right. So what will reveal our adoption? Let's read verse 23. It says, We groan inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. From sensuality and the grave. So our bodies need to be immune to sensuality. That means uh, carnal desires, carnal affections. Our bodies need to be immune to the grave. That means death. Okay, so it says for, uh, further back in Romans chapter 8, describing the sensuality, it says... The mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Okay, so verse 5, those who are controlled by the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires set their minds and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Spirit. Okay, so Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. So sin leads to death. But if we can see that that sin has been punished on the body of Jesus Christ, we can receive life despite of our sins. Okay, if we can see that all the wages of sin has been, has been paid on the body of Christ, if we can believe that, then we don't get the wages. Then we get the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 6 speaks of the baptism. And it speaks of us dying in the grave or in the baptism. We are baptized into the death of Christ and be raised, we are raised to a new life in unbroken fellowship with Jesus Christ. And our body, which is the instrument of sin, is made ineffective and inactive for evil. So that means then that verse 23, the um, redemption of our body, sensuality, part of it. Our bodies are deactivated to sensuality through the baptism, through having died, through being raised. And that's the the revelation of the baptism. And also the grave. So the death, which is the wages of sin, is uh, is, is now come on Jesus so that we can receive his life. Okay, so he has overcome death for us. He has crossed over through death. So that we can receive life in Christ Jesus. He has overcome death. Romans chapter 6 says also, he says, um, Jesus, having died once, will never die again. Okay, He has died to sin once for all, and he will never die again. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and alive to God in unbroken fellowship with him. So if we know, if, if that bond with sensuality, And the grave is broken. It speaks of the redemption of our bodies. And the redemption of our bodies means simply this. That Jesus Christ is made manifest in our mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So his life being made manifest in our mortal flesh. Meaning that the, the immortal God, Jesus Christ. The risen King. The glorious risen Lord. He's inside of us and one with us and dwelling in us. We are his body. Now, if he could raise his body from the dead by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 verse 11, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal body. It says here, verse 11, uh, it starts with believing that you're righteous. It says, verse 10, uh, but if Christ lives in you, then although your natural body is dead by sin uh, reason of sin and guilt the spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you. So first he makes alive your spirit by imputing righteousness to you. So you believe in the gospel and you are made righteous, declared the righteousness of God and your spirit is made alive. And then he said in verse 11, and if this, the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So now it's not only the spirit. Now that spirit manifests in your soul. He's dwelling in your, in your awareness, in your consciousness, in your emotions, in your thoughts. Then renew Renewal of the mind, if he dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So that speaks of the redemption of the body. Uh, then it says, which will reveal our adoption, our manifestation as God's sons. So if we believe that we are God's sons, then somewhere, somehow, we need to manifest it. We need to manifest as the Son of God. We need, we need Christ to show and live his life in us and through us. We need to stand back and let Jesus live. We need him to manifest in our thoughts, in, in our emotions, and in our decisions. We need him uh, to dwell in us and not sensuality and we need him to have complete control of us and not our own carnal affections leading us astray by our own temptations okay so we need to constantly submit our hearts to the word of life so in John chapter uh, 1 he says in the beginning was the word and the word was God the word was with God and all things were created so creation responds to the word now when that word dwells in us He says, um, verse later, uh, verse later, (laughs) he says, he came unto his own, but his own received him not, but to as many as did receive him, gave him power to become sons of God. Children of God says some translations, but King James says sons of God, as many as believed on his name. So how do you manifest as a son of God? You believe on his name. Who owe their birth, back in the Amplified, neither to blood, nor to the will of the flesh, nor to Uh, to man or to the will of man, but to God. They are born from God, born from above. Okay? So if we are born from above and born from God, um, it means we are sons. We are children of God. And then it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten Son. So what, what makes us manifest as the Son of God? What brings the manifestation about? When we behold His glory. Back in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. When we look away and from Moses and look away from ourselves and we turn in repentance to the Lord, uh, the veil is stripped off and taken away. And it says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there is liberty. So the liberty of the sons of God. And we behold Him as with unveiled face, we behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are constantly being transformed and transfigured into that very same image. For this is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we are transformed into the image of the Son of God. His, his nature is being molded in us. He's formed in us until it's completely manifested. So in spirit, we are one with Him. We are sons of God. But in in reality, in our experience, we don't see the fullness of it yet, says Paul in Philippians. But I loose myself from that which is behind me and I stretch forth to that which is in front of me. Okay. I lay hold of the thing which God laid hold of me for. So, and then he says in Philippians 3, verse 10, uh, my, my uh, aim, my determined purpose is to know him and to know the power outflowing of his resurrection okay so all of these things speak about the same thing we need to be revealed as sons and we will only be revealed as sons if we believe the word but the person the word and when we believe the word we are born we are and we keep on receiving the word and the the image of christ is made manifest in us is formed in us okay so um And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. So the word became flesh. The first one where the word became flesh was Jesus. And that's why Colossians and Hebrews calls him the firstborn of many brethren. He's not the only begotten anymore. In John chapter 3, he says, God so loved the world that he saved, he, that he sent his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. But since he was raised from the dead, and since he poured out his Holy Spirit, he's not the only begotten anymore because he has given us now birth as sons by his word of truth. That's James chapter 1. So, all these scriptures testify of, of the same thing uh, we receive new birth as sons, that means you are a son. I am a son in Christ Jesus, the son, who is the son of God, son of the father, seated at the right hand. We are seated with him. So when we speak, we don't speak as, as uh, just a human being with knowledge. We speak as the son. We speak, he f- finds his uh, dwelling place in us. He finds his expression in us. And Christ, literally through his body, Speaks a word, acts, and sets everybody free from creation, to uh, from, from bondage to decay. All right, so uh, let's keep on going. Verse 24. For in this hope we were saved, but hope the objects of, of which is seen is not hope, for how can you hope for that which you already see? So that means you keep your eyes on the unseen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse, verse 14, 15. Oh. Is it 15? It's the last two verses of 2 Corinthians 4. It says, um, So, uh, this light momentary affliction, the slight distress of the passing hours, speaking of the sufferings of this present time, is ever more and more producing for us an everlasting weight of glory as we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are unseen. So we grab a hold of the hope that we have. The unseen, it's something that's real and it's something that's in the spirit and it's already given. That is your hope. You have a sure and steadfast hope, like a sure and steadfast anchor, Hebrews chapter 6. All right, so he says, But if we hope for, well, okay, uh, if we hope for what is still unseen by us, we wait for it with patience and composure. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, you are in need of, of, of patience so that you can receive and carry away and enjoy to the full that which God has promised. So uh, uh, James 1 says, uh, let patience have its full work in you so that you can be a perfect man lacking nothing. So we need patience, but we need to understand that patience, according to Galatians chapter 5, is a fruit of, Of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, self control. Patience is not a fruit of suffering. Patience is not a fruit of this present age and this. No, those sufferings will make you. Impatient, and those sufferings will will make you to groan, and those sufferings will make you to moan, and those sufferings will cause you to be rebellious. It's it doesn't produce patience. But in the midst of the sufferings, when you look to Jesus, there's an everlasting weight of glory prepared for you. Back in Second Corinthians chapter four, he says, "As we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are." Uh, Temporal. Temporary. So this thing will also pass away. It's just a temporary thing. But the things which are unseen are deathless and everlasting. So the things that are unseen are full of life. It's it's immortal. We're looking at the Son, the risen Lord King. And we're looking at Him and we are being changed into His very own image from glory to glory. So... Uh, We behold him. We look to the unseen and then we start manifesting what we see. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes in your heart, in your mind on the risen Lord, the Christ. All right, so we wait for it with patience and composure. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, now, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Okay, so now the Holy Spirit is in us, and he knows what we are sitting with. He has sympathy with where we are. That's also Hebrews chapter 2. Just listen to this Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, so it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sins. For because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of and assist and relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried, and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. All right? So God wants to end the suffering. So how did he do it? He took all the suffering on himself. He said, no, it's mine. (laughs) It's mine. Leave it alone. It's mine. He took all the suffering upon himself. Okay. So now the Holy Spirit that knows he was he was with Christ on that cross. Okay. Um, he he was he was with him on that cross. He he experienced it when they put the nails in his in his hands and in his feet. He he knew the anguish of all the sin coming upon him. Okay. So now he is sympathetic. He's faithful. So the Spirit of God together with the the, uh, the Spirit of the Father and Jesus Christ sitting on the throne, is, is together in this making supplications for us, praying for us. We have a faithful high priest forever interceding for us at the Father. We have the Holy Spirit in us interceding, praying for us because we do not know how to pray. Now he says, we do not know how to pray or to how to offer it worthily, so now the Holy Spirit comes with groanings and sighings and yearnings, unspeakable things too deep for utterance because there's things that he can in that he can express in heaven that we just can't on our behalf. so the perfect prayer is constantly going up so Take the time and pray in the Holy Ghost. Let him pray in you. Let him pray through you. Let those groanings come through you. Pray in the Holy Ghost and let the Spirit of God manifest the glory inside you. In the midst of temptation. In the midst of suffering. In the midst of all the things that is happening. Okay? So in the midst of it all, turn to Jesus. In the midst of it all, pray in tongues. In the midst of it all, okay, look to Jesus. And he manifests. Okay. Verse 27 says, And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. And then he says, the bumper sticker fridge magnet scripture it says we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose it doesn't just happen it doesn't just happen it happens with God partnering with us in our labor it happens with with the, the the spirit of god manifesting in the sons of god it happens with in the midst of the temporary sufferings and trials of this present time you look to jesus and this uh, this light momentary affliction is producing an everlasting weight of glory it doesn't just produce an everlasting weight of glory as you look to the things which are seen, uh, unseen, and not to the things which are seen. So we need to take our attention off of all the stuff that scares us, off of all the stuff. I mean, if if your heart is unaffected, you can see what's happening. So you can see, hey, the curve is going like this, and it's going to go down. And you keep on prophesying. But if if you look, if you constantly behold the news, and if you constantly look at all the bad news overseas and all the stuff, and you walk in fear, um, if you if you live like that, that that stuff's going to affect you. So, my, my, uh, uh, my advice to you is this. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you. So, turn to Him and let Him do something in your heart, something that's worthwhile, something that will manifest the glory of God. Okay? So, creation is groaning. We can see it all over the world. But, the sons of God is now being made manifest there are sons of god all over the world that's turning their hearts to jesus that's turning their gaze to god and all those sons will set creation free from bondage to decay and creation that is groaning will enter into the glorious liberty of the sons of god all right so Hey, you awesome sons of God. If you're a lady, well, you're a son. We're also the bride. So that's fine. Okay. It speaks of a position in Christ. Okay. So uh, there's no slave or free. There's no Jew or Greek. There's no male or female, but one new man in Christ. All right. So we are all sons of God. And... um, I just want to salute you, all you sons of God, all you believers in Jesus Christ, all you who look to him, all you whose hearts are established in the truth, all you who have joy and peace and righteousness. May you experience life. May that life manifest in your soul. May that life manifest in your body. May no sickness come near your dwelling place. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. May it never come near you. May you be blessed. May you be prosperous. I heard something amazing, sorry for taking time, but I heard something amazing um, that Bill Johnson said. Um, and, and he said, God is moving the opposite way of what the manifestation on earth is, is doing. So if if there's sickness, God is, God is now in healing. He's moving in healing. If there is economic pressure, God is manifesting prosperity to the saints. <laughs> now, I've testified last week about the goodness of God, and um, since then, we've really been blessed. God is blessing us. And uh, we've been able to sow and sow again and again. Okay, Even during this week, we are able to sow more okay, and God is just good to us, so uh, I want you to understand that you, when you look to Christ, he's going to manifest the exact opposite of what is threatening you, so instead of looking, looking at the threat, look to Christ, look to the unseen, and he will manifest the opposite, all right, may you be blessed, please like, share, Um let's see, you Martinet, thank you for watching, Lazane, Ace, Janssen Forensberg, thank you for watching. It's good to see all of you here. Um, bless you, and it's it's really nice to to be able to spend some time. I'm uh, I'm glad that I can see some little bit of, of feedback. But um, uh, we we even got a message from the Kalahari the other day. Um, let me just get get the message there from. Peter Stapelberg, bless you guys in the Kalahari watching. If you're watching this, bless you. It blessed me so much to get get that message from you. And uh, may God be with you in your profession as a pharmacist. May God just just increase you and anoint you and bless you and uh, and everyone else please send us some feedback we would like to pray for you even if it's just something good if the message blessed you just send us a message we would love to hear from you uh, whatever country you are watching from if you guys in india are watching uh, it would be great to hear from you and you guys in pakistan watching it would be wonderful hearing from you whatever if you're in russia or if you're in the united states or Europe, or wherever you are, uh, please drop us a line. We would love to hear from you. All right, so so bless you guys. Thank you for watching. I hope you have a really, really powerful, awesome day. And may you see the glory of God manifest in your life today. In Jesus' name, amen.